Hi there, Mike here. Thanks for listening, and uh, I hope you're surviving uh, this pandemic, the little crisis we're having right now just fine. We, we thank you for finding our show uh, if you just happen to stumble upon it while looking for podcasts or if you've been with us since day one. Thank you so much. Please stay well, stay healthy, stay at home, and uh, please, if you go out, utilize social distancing. We don't want any of our listeners or anybody to get sick. Please, we need to flatten the curve. And now with that, here's our show. This is It Was a Thing on TV. Spoiler number one is Dr. Lee Franz. It stinks. What is going on? (laughs) What is going on? Episode 44. Submission 172, TV Funhouse. Comedy Central's TV Funhouse. Indeed. Comedy Central's TV Funhouse aired from December 6th of 2000 to January 24th of 2001 for eight episodes. Guys, if you remember last week, we talked about uh, the Dana Carvey show and a number of people who went on to bigger and better things. Uh, We talked about Steve Carell and we talked about uh, Stephen Colbert. We also mentioned Robert Smigel and Dino Stematopoulos, uh, among other names. And one thing that we mentioned in the show is they went on to this show, Comedy Central's TV Funhouse, which is basically a spinoff of the somewhat occasionally occurring segment on uh, on Saturday Night Live, but also itself was sort of a spoof of, of children's TV shows, kind of maybe a li- little bit like Pee Wee's Playhouse, but maybe more like, like a romper room type of uh, TV show. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm glad you agree. And really, this show, it was almost like three shows in one. You had the main premise, every day was a certain day where we're celebrating a holiday or celebrating a a certain ethnicity. Um, and it's a little racist. Uh, again, there's stuff that we can get away with 20 years ago, which wouldn't fly now. But also, there was like a subplot, which was, the Anapals, who were puppet animals, they, they were like the, uh, the the characters that lived in the the TV funhouse with the the main character named Doug. And then you had like a th- a third type of TV show because, like almost any kids show back in the sixties or seventies or eighties, it was interspersed with cartoons. Now, the base of this show is, like like we said, this uh, show was hosted by Doug Dale, and he had Anapal friends. And every day, 
there was a, a celebration that Doug was going to have where he dressed up in a certain way, did certain traditions of a certain uh, holiday or a, a, a different ethnicity. And he would, um, the show would open with, with Doug getting off the street from a vendor, a box that says whatever day it is that day, and it has a costume in it. And, oh, we should mention that Doug is just wearing a pair of tidy whities while he does this. Beautiful image, I know. Mm, that, that's yeah. scary. Yes, and, and he's in uh, apparently in New York City. Yeah, a lot of yeah, taxis. He's in, yeah, he's in New York City, a lot of taxis. And here's the thing. Every... Thing, everything in the opening sequence is meant to mimic like photo stills. Yes. But he's the only one that's in on the joke, so to speak. Yes. Uh, yeah. You see the taxis actually drive around him or swerve around him. You see like people on the street, you know, being oblivious to him being there, walking past him. Uh, on one of the episodes, as Doug was going to give the money to the vendor for that day's box. Some guy came by and snatched the money. And you could see, well, it was all set up. You could see Doug holding onto his leg, trying to get his money back. <laughs> oh. After this initial sequence, Doug welcomes us and says what day it is. And he dresses up in a costume, which is very stereotypical of whatever the day's theme is. We'll get to that in a bit. And he introduces us to the Anapals. And the Anapals are just, as I said, they're animal puppet friends of the show except generally I, th I think almost on every episode or almost every episode they weasel their way out of doing the activities for that day with different excuses different reasons and uh, get into their own harebrained schemes as it were on episode one which is western day doug was dressed up as a cowboy and Doug must wrangle up his own fun while the Anapals ditch him to head for high time south of the border in Tijuana. Ooh. That sounds like a very Anapals thing to do. Yeah, but what were they doing in Tijuana? They were going to a stereotypical cockfight. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. The cartoon segments on that first episode were Wonder Man, who is basically a ripoff of, of Superman. Specifically the Max Fleischer Superman cartoons. And it, it, it looked very grainy. I mean, it, it had some sense of authenticity. Yeah, it may have been drawn in the, the 2000 era, but it looked grainy like you'd see in the 60s or, or late 50s. Yep. And, what, and, and yeah, it was a takeoff of Superman, but his sole purpose, his MO, was to get his alter ego laid. What do I mean by that? Oh, you could have a heavyset woman dangling off a building by one arm. Uh, you could have uh, some uh, ugly woman in crisis. But who would Wonder Man go and help? Neither of those women. He'd go save the beautiful woman who got into a little kerfuffle with a homeless man. And you know, he'd take care of the homeless man by throwing him to outer space. And she'd say, oh, well... How can I repay you? Oh, you don't need to repay me. Here's the business card of a friend of mine, and you can repay him by giving him sex. He, he's been very lonely, very sad since, uh, I don't know if it's because of a divorce or, uh, or what have you, but yeah, you know, this is how you can repay me. 
by getting this guy his alter ego laid. Again, we can get away with a little more in 2000. Yeah. This is pre-Me Too, folks. Oh, this is pre a lot of things. Yes. And then after that, you had mnemonics. And this is a segment which recurred on a couple of episodes besides the first episode. You guys know what mnemonics are. Yeah, they're a little, little like uh, anagrams or or uh, backronyms that will uh, help you commit something to memory. Yeah, they're like uh, if you're in music, and I'm sure you know Chico did this because he was in music for a while when he was younger. Same with me when I was in band. Uh, I'm sure you remember every good boy uh, does fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a, a, a mnemonic where the first letter of each word represents a different, what is this? A different note. Isn't the, it's, uh, oh, the, on the, the treble clef. It's the notes that are on the lines of the treble clef. So E, G, B, D, F. Yeah. Because, yeah, because uh, main C is the, the first line, is a line below the first line, below E. So there'd be different mnemonics. Another example would be phylum, class, order, family, genus, species. I cannot in good conscience repeat what they went for. Okay, well, you know what? Then we're not going to do that one. (laughs) Hold on. Let's do this one. Okay. Okay. Egg, larva, pupa, adult. Enemas, loosen, plugged asses. That's nice and safe. Oh no, the other uh, no. There's an even better one. Oh, there there is another. Oh, the, the the one after it actually is very good. Mouth, esophagus, stomach, gallbladder, small intestine, large intestine, rectum, anus. What does that turn into? Oh it's... no. Mouth, esophagus, stomach, gallbladder, small intestine, large intestine, rectum, anus becomes. Mom eats squirrel guts because she is living in rural Arkansas. Works for me. I remember the body parts because of that. So, yeah, that's actually the clean ones we can share. There are other ones that, no, 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 no. We we don't want you guys leaving. Uh, We want to keep it reasonably clean. So, yeah, the the subplot of all this is the, the Annapals go south of the border to Tijuana and they end up at a cockfight. And one of the Annapals, Chicky, who, who's a chicken, believe it or not, somebody named Chicky is a chicken, gets lured into going into the cockfight and it doesn't end well. As cockfights generally don't end well. Nope. Yeah, Chicky gets beaten and bruised and it's not a good ending. No, it's not. Uh, there's also a, a occasionally occurring segment uh, with Doug and a snake called Terrence, where he's eaten something. Uh, Terrence has eaten something, I should say. And the idea is, guess what Terrence ate? And, oh, it looks like a little kid playing baseball. But what happens when Terrence coughs it up? It's a bunch of dead mice. Oh, figures. And we also should mention one other character 
who appears on almost every episode, voiced by Robert Smigel, sounds just like Triumph the Dog. A dog named Zabu. Looks like a husky of some sort. Husky or Malamute. Zabu's only goal in life is he wants to catch his tail. And he does it by trying to trick the tail by dressing up in different costumes. And, uh, And so frequently when you see Zabu, you see him just spinning round and round and round trying to chase his tail. And he just never gets it. Oh. But then after that, uh, oh, I think Greg has stuff to say. The baby, the immigrant, and the guy on mushrooms. Yes, this is probably my favorite segment from this show. So tell us about the baby, the immigrant, and the guy on mushrooms. Okay, so what this was was the mother of the baby would leave her cat in charge of watching the baby along with an immigrant and a guy on mushrooms. Ah. Oh. Oh. And the thing of it is, you would think that watching a baby, an immigrant, and a guy on mushrooms would be easy, except they get excited really, really easily. Yeah, they get easily distracted by things, causing them to wander off while the cat is distracted by something. And in this initial episode, the baby, the immigrant, and the guy on mushrooms actually end up on a construction site uh, walking on a steel beam, not unlike something you would have seen in like a Tom and Jerry cartoon or back in the old days. Uh, I'm thinking like uh, a, a, a silent movie, like like a... Who was it? Like Buster Keaton or somebody like or that? Charlie Chaplin or someone. Charlie Chaplin, that's who. Yeah, exactly. And ultimately, Artemis the cat saves the day, albeit, you know, getting in some sort of injury, some sort of scrap while doing it. But he gets the baby, the immigrant, and the guy in mushrooms back in the house by the time the homeowner comes back home. Yes, and usually she brings something back for the baby, the immigrant, and the guy on mushrooms. Yes. And then it'd be like, ah, oh, oh. And the joke is that they would get something that was meant for somebody else. The baby would get a mini Statue of Liberty. The immigrant would get a lava lamp. And the guy on mushrooms would get a rattle. At least on the first episode. At least on the first episode, yeah. And what would Artemis get? A toy mouse. Ah. Which he can't use because he's all injured, wrapped up in bandages. Right. That sucks for Artemis. It does. Uh, There's one more segment on the the first episode we're going to talk about. The last interstitial segment of episode one is all about a police officer's life. And it's it's something like you'd see on Sesame Street back in the day, but this is TV Funhouse, so it isn't a normal segment. Doesn't the I remember one the policeman jumping into the East River in one part of the I'm scene. watching it right yeah, now, he, yeah. Yes, the, 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 the police officer jumps into the East River, he's prancing around the police station naked, he's crying himself to sleep. He's sitting at his desk eating a big bowl of chili. Hey, you said that police officer was striding around naked. He was prancing around naked in the in, his, in the police station. Yes, 
Do you think he ever ran into Herb Abrams? Oh, jeez. Oh, no, no. That's um, the subject for another show. And he ends up trying to shoot the mayor. Because, hey, but assassination he is hilarious. Yeah. But he doesn't control the weather. That's a chef. Yes. Oh, the chefs control the weather. And a fun thing about most episodes, not every episode, I think every episode but one had this, is the end credits... It reused the same type of music as the opening theme, but p- put lyrics to it, which basically summarize the entire episode. Uh, not necessarily the cartoons, but the different stuff the Annapals got into and what happened with Doug. And I think we're going to throw in the closing theme to the first episode right here so you know what we're talking about. So that's just the first episode. The second episode is Hawaiian Day. Doug has a luau all by himself while the Annapels help Chicky rescue his son from a cult. Yeah, uh, this was not unlike the Heaven's Gate type of cult you had back a little bit before this time. Heaven's Gate would have been probably about 97-ish, 96-ish, and this was 2000. Yeah, uh, Chicky's uh, son ran away and joined a cult and ultimately ended up on a spaceship. Oh. And before they left on the spaceship, every one of the chicks got castrated, and you saw a big pile of little chicken testicles. Not uh, real. Not, not real. It looked like ticks. Uh, Don't know if you want to eat those in milk or not. Mm, no. <laughs> the the first cartoon in, uh, in this show is Kidder, Downey, and Hesh, which is basically a, a private investigative firm made up of Margot Kidder, Robert Downey Jr., and Anne Hesh. Now, for background, this is in 2000. Yes. When, when, Robert, when Robert Downey Jr. was not exactly clean. Yeah, because if you'll remember, like, by 2008, by the time he was doing, was going to do the first Iron Man movie, like, Marvel Studios had to get, like, had to get, like, assurances that Robert Downey Jr. would be A-OK to do it. And he's been clean ever since, so. Yeah, basically. And in demand. Oh, yes. I mean, now he now he's earned the, now he's got has had so much cred from doing Marvel movies that he could do something like Doolittle and, like, no one will care. Right. (laughs) So what the general idea of this private investigative service was is that Margot Kidder and Robert Downey Jr. and Anne Hesch basically break into people's homes looking for a lost dog. Uh, But they're so strung out on medications or what have you that they think they're looking for uh, different animals, a tiger, an owl, 
<laughs> it was a little... It's definitely dated. It's not something you'd necessarily associate nowadays uh, because uh, Robert uh, Downey Jr., as we mentioned, is, is just a you know humongous star and has sort of has been kind of off the radar for the last like 15 to 20 years. And, uh, and Margot Kidder, I think, is deceased. Yes, she, she was is. deceased. She was deceased. And no joke, she was fed by wolves. Isn't that timely, considering we've been watching Tiger King this week? Speak for yourself. I, I, I don't know what I'm missing, and I don't want to know if I uh, want to know if what I'm missing. Oh, you want to see Tiger King, baby. You need to see it. Oh, that no. might be that might be an entry later on. We'll want yes. to see what happens. We'll talk about we'll talk about it after the show. Next is a bit called "Overcoming Bowel Movements: A Teenager's Guide to Self Control." Overcoming Bowel Movements is a PSA, not unlike maybe a movie you might have seen in school when you were younger, especially something from like the fifties or sixties. If you were of a certain age, where you'd pull out the film reel and watch a five-minute movie on why, you know, you shouldn't do this. And Johnny shows us the repercussions if you, you know, drink and drive or if you, you know, do something bad. Well, that's sort of like this. Imagine if this was an educational film uh, where the topic is something like self-stimulation, if you will. But no, we're not talking about self-stimulation. We're talking about bowel movements. And they're talking about how bad it is to have bowel movements before you get married. And you've got to resist the temptation of having bowel movements. Rather apropos, given that they talk a lot about toilet paper on this film. And when the time is right, having a bowel movement will be richer and more meaningful. Yeah, that sounds just like an educational film back in the day. It ends with a guy committing himself to a roll of toilet paper. You guys remember toilet paper, right? Yeah, before it was in demand three weeks ago. I remember the days we can get toilet paper. We can get more than one roll at a time. And then the last cartoon on this episode, this was funny. Uh, it was a classic cartoon commercial. Uh, mind you, the first letter in each of those three words wasn't a C. It was a K. Yeah, you do the math. Three Ks. I had nothing to do with that, though. I just... It's just you know something I noticed, and it was called Attack. And again, if you are of a certain age, probably a kid of the '80s, maybe even early '90s, do you remember Raid used to have these ads where the roaches or the bugs, uh, animated bugs, would be in an area, and you know they'd say Raid, and then there'd be this explosion, and you know the the bugs would be wiped out. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, think of that, except it's called attack, not raid. But also imagine that the bugs had real lives. They had families. So you'd have a hand holding a can of raid going to different events that bug families would be at. Or or not just bug families, but that bugs might be in. So one segment had an elderly bug couple sitting on a porch talking about their retirement and their golden years. And here's the can of attack spraying them dead. And the husband bug goes over to the dead wife bug and says, I'll be with you forever through eternity. 
And, you know, he, he's like, you know, wheezing, not really in good health, but he's still alive. And here comes the guy with the can again, spraying the bug dead. <laughs> uh, another scene has an elderly bug in a hospital getting his last rites. Oh, this is just bad. Why is everybody dying? It's all elderly bugs. It was an elderly bug getting his last rites. And here comes the can of attack. Trying to spray it. Except it's out of uh, uh, out of uh, compression, out of air. So what the, uh, the the hand does to kill the bugs is it uses the can and smashes it against the bugs on the bed. It got dark, like, it, quickly. It was dark, but it was also very, very funny in my opinion. So ultimately in the subplot, at the end, Chicky's son goes up into the spaceship with the aliens into the cult, never to be heard from again. Aww. Yeah, and Hawaiian Day, it didn't end well. It never ends well for Doug. That's one thing we should note. No, it never. it's never going to be a good ending for Doug in any of these episodes. There was one segment on the Hawaii Day episode which uh, might have pissed off people a little bit. Uh, Doug decides to make a Hawaiian flag, and how does he do it? He takes an American flag, identifies the 50th star, because Hawaii is the 50th state, uh, the 50th star is the lower right-hand corner in the, the shield of stars, apparently. And he cuts out that star from American flag and staples it onto a piece of cardboard. And there's the Hawaiian flag, a ripped up piece of a, an American flag stapled on a green piece of cardboard. And I'm, I don't know if you guys know about flag code. Uh, yeah, uh, I know a little bit about the fly code. Yeah, yeah, you're you're not supposed to desecrate the flag like that. I mean, we're not even getting into burning the flag, but you know, th- there's proper ways of of disposing of flags, and um, I, I don't remember in Boy Scouts being told that you can cut up a flag with a uh, uh, w- with a pair of scissors for yeah, fun. Yeah, it's illegal and highly frowned upon. Last I checked. Yeah, not very patriotic. And again, if this aired about a year later, oh, yeah, because no. you got to remember oh. what happened in 2001. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so we could get away with it in 2000, but not a year later. Yeah, you could get away with it because this was during the uh, during the Bush score recount. But no, if it was like December 2001, no. no absolutely not. No. No. Uh, uh. Okay, episode three, Chico. Episode three, it's Christmas. Yay! And the Pals, yay! And guess what? Doug is filled with all sorts of cheer. So the Pals decide to tap his spine to get a piece of that cheer. Meanwhile, uh, one of Chicky's sons helps to turn the cheer into powder. And unfortunately, he goes missing and... The powder's there, but the Annapals snort it and get addicted to powdered Christmas cheer. Oh, it isn't just sniffing it and snorting it. Chicky's son actually tells all the Annapals, oh, snorting it isn't the way to enjoy it. You've got to freebase it. So over at Bunsen <laughs> Burner, they start doing this, 
this powdered crystal spinal fluid uh, cheer, if you will. And they get high as a kite. And they just go, and they just, you know, do, they they do New York City up right. Oh, they're 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 basically shouting Christmas carols to everyone. They're full of Christmas cheer, wink, wink. Yeah. And the cartoons in this episode, the first one was called Tingles the Christmas Tension. And what it was, was animation very similar to Rankin Bass, if you remember the Christmas specials they did back in the 60s. Yes. Mm-hmm. And if you remember uh, Christmas Time for the Jews that Darlene Love did for Saturday Night Live 25 years ago or so. Yes. Mm-hmm. Animation was very similar to that. Except it had to do with Tingles the Christmas Tension, which is basically uh, people losing their attitude uh, over Christmas. Yeah, because you know they're frustrated in bed or because they're having job troubles or what have you. Yeah. And then after Christmas Day, goodbye the Christmas tension, you get the after Christmas depression. Aww. Aww. But also, looking at this in one way actually gives me a theory as to why this show didn't last too long. We'll get to that later. Why this only lasted eight episodes, even though it was really, again, sort of ahead of its time, kind of, sort of. Maybe pushing boundaries. Let's also add that. Uh, yeah. Let's just say Comedy Central could only air this when they aired it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and then the other uh, segment that was on this episode was places to look for your Christmas presents. This truly was like a Christmas-themed episode. And it was different places where you could find Christmas presents hiding in your house, like in the oven or in the kitchen wall. Or inside a toy that you got last year. Kind of goofy. But yeah, dear old Doug, after the Anapalist uh, tapped the spinal fluid from his spine, he was paralyzed from the waist down. And oh. he was, but he was still in the Christmas spirit, though. He decked the tree. Uh, the first two well, feet of it. Yeah. Yeah, when you're... When you can't move your legs, you really can't go above like the base of the tree. No. So the base of the tree looked nice. Yeah. And then the fourth episode. Oh, this is um, this is a great one. N- excuse the name. We're going to just get that out of the way first. Mexican's Day. I apologize. That's what it's called. Again, 2000 was a different time than 2020. On Mexican's Day... The Annapals appeared on, and here's a relic to Days Gone By, the Sally Jesse Raphael show. <laughs> well, not if you watch Nosy, guys. No, Nosy, there's a couple episodes I've seen that have popped up. Uh, not a lot. They like showing Springer and and, uh, and, and Wilkos and Maury. But they show an oh, occasional oh, Sally Jesse show. Oh, speaking of Maury, just wait until we get later on in the series. Oh, no. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, no. Okay, getting back on topic. So the Annapals appeared on the Sally Jesse Raphael show to help get an endangered lizard get laid. 
Oh, how nice. Oh. Yeah, except the problem is the endangered lizard had absolutely no desire to get laid. And that's even in spite of the female endangered lizard getting a makeover. They just put a bow on her. Oh. Wow. No desire to get laid. But also the other reason that uh, the Annapals wanted to get this endangered lizard laid is because the sperm and the eggs of these rare endangered lizards, they'll make money. And so they got greedy and wanted to make money off their good friend, this endangered chameleon-like lizard. And Doug was at home celebrating Mexicans Day pretty much by himself. Well, he uh, wasn't by himself totally. Well, pretty much by himself, but he, he did have a friend in the form of one, a worm and a bottle of tequila. Yep. No, not, not much stereotyping there. Not really. The cartoons that day, oh my gosh. The first one was called Fetal Scooby-Doo. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, imagine every character in this episode of Scooby-Doo as a fetus with umbilical cords attached. Yeah. That, that wasn't the funny part. The funny part was next. Joe Camel, or actually Joe Camel. Yes. It was, it was a takeoff of Pokemon, which was done by the R.J. Reynolds Corporation to as a way of retiring Joe Camel, but not retiring Joe Camel. So he was turned into a Pokemon-type creature called Joe Camel, or Joe Camel. And... All the the characters in this Pokemon spoof look like genitalia. Joe Camel's nose looked like a big penis. And there were characters who looked like a pair of breasts and who looked like a behind. And yeah, let's just say that they were doing stuff which those body parts do. We'll just keep it at that. Oh, oh! I, I'm I'm watching this in lot. I'm watching this in lot in uh, real time here. Yeah, <laughs> I can attest to everything that Mike is saying. And and the bonus is, there are commercials within the show advertising Jocamel everything. Yeah, and then wait till you get to the end. The the end advertisements slash like the end of the show is all the different Joe Camel products you can get, but not cigarettes, yet they show cigarette packs in the, <laughs> in the little... Uh, the, in, the, the, uh, in showing what the products are. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, okay, Chico. Oh. Found. Oh, this is... This ain't even right. It's not right. No, it is not right. It's wrong in a number of ways. It is. I mean, I'll admit, I laughed. I thought it was hilarious, but it's not necessarily appropriate for everybody. I don't think it's appropriate for anybody. You could make that case, too. And then the last segment on this episode was mnemonics. Again, more mnemonics in case uh, you need more goofy ways of remembering 
different uh, things. And at the end, Doug celebrates Mexican days with Juan the Tequila Worm, and he ends up eating Juan the Tequila Worm at the end. Well, you're supposed Which, to eat the worm. Yes, you are. I was just about to say. Yeah. So, R.I.P. Juan, but it was for a good cause, my buddy. And then episode five, I need to put in the second DVD because that's just disc one. Yep. Well, while you do that, I can tell you right now it is New Year's resolutions slash caveman day. Oh, yes. The Annapals spend almost the entire episode in a sauna saying what their New Year's resolutions are. Some good, some bad. But all of them are probably broken within the first five minutes. Uh, no, actually, some lasted uh, some time. Hojo, who's a turtle, wants to learn how to play the saxophone. That doesn't go very well because turtles are small and saxophones are big. Fogey, the dog, must resist eating his own poop and goes as far as buying a product known as I can't believe it's not poop. But it is poop. Uh, meanwhile, Doug builds a dinosaur out of baby back ribs and Rocky the fish takes a group of kids to visit a cookie factory. Oh, I got stuff to say about that. Oh, <laughs> that was goofy. Uh, it wasn't necessarily just a cookie factory. They also did cakes and, uh, Basically, uh, with this group of kids, everything was, go ahead, kids, try it. So there'd be raw cookie dough. Go ahead, kids, have a sample. Go try some. And then there'd be regular cookies. And then, oh, well, here's the ingredients we use to, to make the cookies. Here's butter, Crisco, and margarine. Go have some butter, margarine, and Crisco, kids. Oh. <laughs> and then near the end... A chef was decorating a cake, a birthday cake for somebody. And Rocky the Fish says, here, let me decorate it for you. And what does Rocky the Fish do? He spurts out row, trying to spell happy birthday. Except he only gets about as far as about the I in birthday and then just totally ruins it. Because, well, you got to remember, Rocky's a fish. He needs water to survive. Yeah. So, so kids had to splash water on him. And so the cake's all wet and ruined. And there's just this fake, we'll assume it's fake, row everywhere. And it doesn't spell anything. It's a, a mess. But hey, the kids had a good day at the cookie factory. And it, it, yeah, the, the, the main part of the, uh, the episode for Caveman Day was just Doug building a dinosaur out of baby back rib bones. Doug's costume ended up eating the remains of the baby back rib bones because Doug's costume was made up of animals, cats and dogs, puppets, mind you, no, no animals were harmed in the filming of the show that were all super glued or hot glued together. So all these puppets started eating the bones of this dinosaur. Mm. And uh, I, Oh gosh, the, this, the first cartoon here, it's it's bad. Yeah. It's it's offensive. It's, it's mischievous Mitchell. A takeoff of Dennis the Menace. 
Uh, except Mischievous Mitchell is extremely, extremely racist. Uh, he had a plan to feed a Jewish family ham. So when things go awry, the neighbor, Mr. Wilton, he comes to get his supplies that Mitchell stole from his garage. And while trying to gather up his stuff, a paint can flies, lands on his head, and a paintbrush flies and lands on his mouth. And ultimately, he looks like Hitler. Yeah. Uh... Again, we can't really get away with these jokes in 2020. No. And we barely got away with it in 2000. So the other cartoon on this episode was pretty much a takeoff of music band cartoons at the time, like how the Jacksons had a cartoon and the Beatles had a cartoon. And what was the other one that you mentioned, Chico? The, the Osmonds. The, the, the Osmonds. Oh, my gosh. Everybody had a cartoon. Everybody had a cartoon. The Osmonds had a cartoon. Jeez. Everybody had a cartoon back in the 70s. So they took off on this by doing a Black Sabbath cartoon. And mind you, this is about a year and a half, two years before the Osbournes became really popular. Mm -hmm. But even then, they showed Ozzy having a very bizarre side. Uh, Black Sabbath went on vacation to Hawaii. And Ozzy asked about why people were getting uh, rings of flowers on their head. And he said, oh, that's a lay. And what does Ozzy say? I'm going to get laid. And he starts going to have relations with a Hawaiian girl. With a big posterior. Uh... Yeah, it's basically making fun of Ozzy Osbourne and a lot of sex jokes. Uh, Apparently, Black Sabbath... Not just Ozzy. Had a lot of sex back in the day. Yeah. And just like any of these goofy cartoons, they had a goofy pet sidekick. Doom Doom. Again, a takeoff of cartoons from, well, 25 years ago back then, but 45 years now. It was the thing on TV, for sure. Uh, Oh, hey! For most of those. Hold on. If the Osmonds cartoon is a, really a thing, why the heck have we added it? <laughs> Adding it. Meanwhile, we have another round of mnemonics. Your dear, dear friend. For example, the circulatory system. Heart, arteries, capillaries, veins. You could use Henry's always craving vomit. Episode six. And actually, this is like a two-part episode but it's two different days involved here. This is is Safari Day, where the Anapals totally blow off Doug, and they go to Atlantic City. And why are they going to Atlantic City? Foggy's old friend is there, Triumph the Insult Comic Dog. And while in Atlantic City, Chicky falls in love with a chimp prostitute. So the Anapals went to go see Triumph playing at, I apologize for saying this name, the Trump Marina. One of the many Trump properties in Atlantic City back in the early 2000s. So we can be assured that that probably went bankrupt. 
Oh, uh, absolutely. And if it didn't get bankrupt, it probably got swept away with uh, with uh, Superstorm Sandy back in 2012. Atlantic City nowadays is not like the Atlantic City in 2000 or even like the 80s. And while in Atlantic City, the Annapals, they met a superstar by the name of Robert Goulet. Jingle bells, Batman smells, Robin laid an egg. Batmobile lost its wheel and the Joker got away. Hey, hey I'm sorry, kid. Nothing. No, 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 nothing, nothing. I'm sorry. Oh. No. That, that's one of the best Simpsons episode segments ever. Sorry. He's not wrong, you know. So sorry. So this episode basically just features the exploits of the Annapals in... Atlantic City, ultimately meeting up with Robert Goulet. Meanwhile, back at home, Doug gets a horrible rash from a tropical plant. Yeah, and actually yeah. He, he meets a mosquito friend, and the mosquito friend sucks like all the blood out of Doug. And you can see that the backside of the mosquito is expanding like a balloon, sucking away every ounce of blood in, in Doug's body. All right, now here we go with one of the most horrifying segments ever on this show. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, you go right. we talk- I'm not. I'm not going to say it. I don't want to say it. Okay, I'll I'll say it, but this is staying in. You you saying I'm not going to say it? No, I'm not going to say it. Good. No, I'll, I'll say it. I'll say it. No, I'll say it. Porn for kids. And do we want to describe how this segment begins? Uh, it begins like any other like children's educational type TV show with them, you know, frolicking around and singing a jingle, you know, called Porn for Kids. And then they say, then the kids say, we want porn. Yay. Yeah. And they actually showed what I'm going to guess is. A, a porn from I'm gonna guess probably the early nineties. Yes. Because it was something like Silence of the Loins, I believe. Silence, Silence of, the Gams. of the Gams. Well, Loins, Gams, same difference. It's a friggin' porno movie. And uh let's just say it was in a doctor's office. The the doctor's on the phone making a call, and next thing you know, he's standing up without a shirt on. And he's use your imagination. Uh, yeah. Can we talk about the second cartoon now? Well, well I no. do. Want, well, I do want to add one other thing. Okay. Because it's called porn for kids. That's what it's actually called on the DVDs. But the network changed it to porn for everyone because they didn't want people getting angry over a segment called porn for kids. Yeah. And yeah, we're going to quickly, quickly move away from that and talk about a two-part cartoon called Steadman or Steadman. Steadman. And in Oprah's Steadman. Voiced by by Tim Meadows. Yes. And if you don't know who Steadman is, again, back in like 2000, there were plenty of rumors involving Steadman and Oprah being a couple or getting married but just never pulling the trigger for whatever reason. And so this sort of played off of that. 
Stedman uh, actually was a secret agent in this episode. And uh, what happened is, anytime Oprah wanted to get amorous with, with Stedman, oh, the president of, of France just called me. I need to go to France immediately and fight Professor, whatever the professor's name, Professor Evil or Professor Doom or whatever. So Oprah would be like, okay, what do you need in order to beat Professor Doom? Oh, well, I need uh, I need money. And, and so she'd just be like going into every nook and cranny where she has money saved. And, Here, is this enough money? $1.3 million? Yeah, just fine. He takes a plane over to France. And next thing you know, he's on the beach wearing a little bikini while five or six bikini-clad uh, women are around him willing to do whatever uh, he wants. And... Uh, Oprah gets some sort of vibe that something's wrong. So she goes to France to find him and finds Stedman in a hotel room with one of the bikini clad women. And Oprah's like, what are you doing with this woman? And he said, woman, this is one of the, the arch enemies of, of professor doom or, or whoever it was. And he karate kicks the bikini clad woman out the window and uh, and now Oprah's all happy. Oh, okay, now that we're alone, let's you know, make love. And Oprah gets down to some uh, some lingerie. And at first, Stedman kicks invisible objects, which he claims are invisible robots. And in the meantime, try to kick a quote-unquote invisible robot. He kicks Oprah in the head. She's unconscious. And he makes Oops. his brave escape. Yeah. So it's just a takeoff of, you know, Oprah's lack of love or the lack of commitment by Stedman and and Oprah. But uh, as Greg said, Tim Meadows did a darn fine job of Stedman in this cartoon. Yes, he did. But now this continues into the seventh episode because the seventh episode is Astronaut Day and the Anapals are still in Atlantic City. Uh, there's a little bit of a problem for Triumph now because, well, Triumph... This is like an overtone for a lot of the shows, in case you haven't noticed. Triumph was trying to get it on with a poodle. Again? And unfortunately, this time, Triumph got stuck in a poodle. Stuck. Stuck. In other words, stuck, yes. He was was stuck. Use your imagination. He he got stuck. He was stuck inside a poodle. We get it. Yes. We know. And this happened right when he was going to do his big show in front of Robert Goulet. So he had a towel covering the poodle. And, well, the poodle was live. So it wasn't a puppet poodle. It was a live poodle with Triumph mounted, for lack of a better phrase, on the poodle's back. And so once the poodle started moving around, there goes the cover. And you see Triumph stuck, again, if you will, to the poodle and Robert Goulet, all the Annapals and, and Triumph thought, Oh gosh, he's blown it. The poodle comes over onto Robert Goulet's table and starts eating the sausage that root Robert Goulet was eating. And Triumph's like, Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Goulet. This has been so horrible. And Robert Goulet says, what are you talking about? This is the funniest thing I've ever seen. So he was a success in the mind of Robert Goulet. 
And meanwhile, during astronaut day back at home, Doug tries achieving weightlessness and he does this in a variety of ways, including sticking a helium tank up his butt. Well, figuring that helium, you know, makes things rise. He thought if he filled himself with helium, he'd rise. And then he thought he was too heavy. So he decided to eat a bunch of weight loss pills, which were also laxatives. So for most of the rest of the show, you saw him on the toity. Just speaking the truth. And in this uh, episode, the segments included the safety gang, which was not unlike some kids cartoon show, uh, but it was being very ironic uh, about uh, trying to be safe. There was actually one segment where one of the safety gang members was meeting up with, I believe the name was Outlitty. It was yes. an, it was an outlet puppet and, and wet fingers. And the, the idea was don't touch the outlet with the wet fingers. You know, you have to be at least three inches away or else. Bzz. Yeah. Uh, and, and the safety gang at the end were, were like running towards the camera like you might see on some shows. Except there's one problem. The stage had spike shaped props yep. that were yep. pointed towards the kids. So the last thing you see is you see like the kids running into the spikes stopping uh, the, the, the film stopped right before there, but you could see the fear in some of the kids eyes that they're going to get their eye poked out or they're going to run headfirst into a spike. Again, a very ironic type of children's message there. You also had a takeoff of behind the music. If you remember that from VH1 back in the day called the great leaders of history. And this was an episode about George Washington and basically, they talked about his exploits, his supposed friendship with Napoleon, and uh, different things he did in his life, which were all false. Um, in case uh, you couldn't tell it was false, one of the events happened in like 1847, which, well, George Washington died in 1799. So, yeah, just a little fake. Don't, don't take it as authentic. And then you had sort of another superhero segment called Captain Marginal, which wasn't really oh, all that fun. Yes. Okay, okay, Greg has stuff to say. Okay. I, I was going to say, I didn't think it was all that funny, but obviously I think you disagree. No, I disagree, because this, this is supposed to be a take. Chico, you'll back me up on it. This is a take, supposed to be a takeoff of Shazam. No, I agree. I, I get that. I, I fully yeah, understand that. I totally got it. So this is this so this is a takeoff of the origin story of Billy Batson when he meets the wizard Sazam. All you have to do is say my name. Scrupa. Scrupa. Scrupa is an acronym, you see. The S is for Spurbs of Endearment. The K is for King Dong. The R is for Romancing the bone. The E is for E E the A the extra text. Yeah. And so on and so forth. And then the Billy Batson type character swears that he'll never ever use his pow- those powers ever. This he swears. Which fits right in with another exploit for the baby, the immigrant, 
and the guy on mushrooms. This time they're at an airport. Yeah, they end up, uh, the baby, the immigrant, and the guy in mushrooms end up on a baggage carousel. And the next thing you know, they're on a plane. And Artemis the cat freaks out, how am I going to get on the plane? He somehow ends up on the landing gear and gets up on the plane a little scratched up. But there's the baby, the immigrant, and the guy on mushrooms going into the cockpit. Again, remember, this is before 9-11. Yep, you could easily get on a cockpit with no problems. (laughs) So they get to the cockpit. Basically, this whole segment ages like milk. Okay, so they get to the cockpit. Artemis sees them. He panics. He crashes into them, but meanwhile, the students is holding a tray full of co- fable, full of coffee, which the coffee ends up on the instruments, short circuiting while they go, ah, oh, oh, and the plane is descending down, and you, and then the best part is. You see the baby, the immigrant, and the guy on mushrooms' faces just, <laughs> just like flap as they descend. <laughs> but somehow they manage to save the plane by just like randomly hitting buttons. Yeah, because that's how it works. Yeah, and then they all ended up back at home, where mom brought each of them again a uh, a gift. The baby gets an American flag, the immigrant gets a tie-dye Florida shirt, and the guy on Mushroom gets a binky. And Artemis still gets another mouse that he can't use. Ah. The final episode. The final episode is... Here we go. Chinese New Year's. Yeah, the final episode is Chinese New Year Day. Yeah, I can smell the racism from a mile away. This isn't going to be racist at all. I don't know what you're talking about. I, oh, well. (sighs) Buckle in. The Annapals ditched the funhouse to enter the lucrative, glamorous world of laboratory animal testing as Doug celebrates Chinese New Year's Day and makes fireworks with a panda. There is no racism in those last five words at all. Makes fireworks Uh, with a panda. No, that's not racist at all. This being the series finale, the set was struck by detonating a puppet panda full of innards for realism. Ew! On the set, splattering everywhere. Staged as a satirical accident, Doug replied after with the resignation cut, which he did on, on the episode. Um... Yeah, disgusting to say the least. But there were some special guest stars. You had John Ritter, who was a speaker for the cosmetic company Claire Delon, which was doing the animal testing. And you also had George Wendt doing something similar, uh, speaking at this Claire Delon convention. Mike, was he eating beans? No, George Wendt wasn't eating beans. Oh, I'm seeing a movie sorry. where he was eating beans. No, and I don't want to eat beans with George Wendt either. I'm sorry. Well, would you like to take a survey, Mike? We can. No, thank- we, could have, we could do that. We could make a movie with George Wendt eating beans. 
I'd watch it. Yeah. That's an Animaniacs uh, joke, kids. Oh, I think everybody MS. who's listening to this gets that reference. I don't think you... I think you're underestimating our, our audience. So uh, what happened is when the Anapals went to Claire Delon to do this uh, lab testing, there were, and again, this is something you can get away with in 2001, in early 2001. You can't get away with it in late 2001. There were animal terrorists, including one rabbit who was a suicide bomber. Wait, and what? these and and these terrorists freed the Anapals because of the conditions in the Claire Delon lab, and they ended up going up to the Waldorf Astoria Hotel, where this Claire Delon meeting was with John Ritter and George Went, and they uh, basically turned it into a hostage terrorism situation. Again, you do it nine months later, you're going to get letters. This would have never aired. But early 2001, America's just fine at that point. And this would have been about two and a half years before John Ritter passed away, which is a that little sad about, in retrospect. No, it would be about exactly, well, yeah. Yeah, it was it fall 2003 exact, when he passed. Yeah, exactly two and a half years. Well, yeah, it was 9-11 to 2003, to be more specific. Oh, my. Oh, wow. I forgot. Got it was on the anniversary of not second year anniversary of 9-11. Yeah, so, so, so then you have the terrorists involved in this episode. It makes it even more weird. The cartoon segments in this episode, we have Wonder Man again. And as I mentioned, Wonder Man sa- uh, saved a beautiful woman from a blind homeless person, sending him to outer space. And in return, he gave this beautiful woman the phone number of his alter ego and well let's just say he had a happy ending in more ways than one there was a segment based on different science and nature type of shows that you would have seen like uh, i'm thinking crocodile hunter stuff like that called what do we know so yeah what do we know gets into talking about you know what do we know about cactuses and and pyramids and Different types of inquiries about science, but you can tell that uh, they weren't on location in Morocco or Egypt because the pyramid which was used clearly is of the Luxor in Las Vegas. Something mm-hmm. Chico and I have seen plenty of times the last few years. They've got a great buffet. So I've heard. Never heard. Never been there for the buffet. Okay. I'll have to remember that for next time I'm out there. It was just a takeoff of different... Uh, science shows from back in the day. So, Greg, uh, you notice a couple of famous faces in this uh, the spoof. Yeah, because obviously Bob Odenkirk is in this segment asking, what do we know? But the professor in the segment is played by Scott Adsit, who most of you will know as Pete from 30 Rock and the voice of Baymax in Big Hero 6. Also in this episode, we had an ad for a fake item, right, Chico? Yep, it's called Nurture You, Mom and Dad. It's for the kid whose parents are always busy with stuff. I'd even take it a step further and say parents that just don't care about their kids. Yep. And all I could say is it's it's totally, it's heartwarming and at the same time very sad. 
Yes, it is. It's absolutely very sad. Oh, look, the parents are totally approving of this. Well, because the kid's having fun. Guess what? They also wet themselves. Oh, yes, there's, yeah, uh, like, uh, if you remember, yeah. there are dolls that made messes of, on themselves. They did that with these parents. So they had uh, parents who actually wore giant diapers and looked like they wet themselves. So, yeah, this is like a, a, a spoof of, like, every baby doll commercial from back in the day. The other cartoon in this episode was a little weird. It was called Pablo Picasso. Part one, the cubist years. And again, this is very bizarre. It had different uh, animation than the rest of the show. It didn't look like your standard ambiguously gay duo type of animation. This was very different. And again, the humor for me just wasn't there. Uh, Showing uh, Pablo Picasso in different stages of his life and his, his cubism era being attacked by a lion driving in a car with a cruelly animated duck. I didn't really totally get this. But then again, if I didn't, but if I didn't really get that, you know, maybe that means I understood the rest of the show, which in itself is, you know, kind of creepy because it's so absurd. And that was TV fun house. Definitely wasn't like the TV fun house you saw on SNL. Definitely didn't have the ambiguously gay duo. I don't think anything on this show made it to the Saturday Night Live TV Funhouse. No. Nope. Which is a bit of a shame. Uh, But also, I think, as we could tell in that last episode, where they actually blew up the panda and the panda was filled with innards uh, and they messed up the entire set, I think they sort of got the idea that they were going to be canceled right from the outset. There was not going to be a season two. No. No. This was like, this was one of those classic, and again, a callback to last week in the Dana Carvey show. This is one of those classic, screw it, we're gonna get cancelled anyway, let's just do the show we want to do. If you uh, look into why the show was cancelled, Robert Smigel actually mentions that Comedy Central believed in the show, but was disappointed in its budget which you can understand i mean given there's like 10 minutes of animation in this show or even like seven or eight minutes of animation that's not going to be cheap but also just the number of guest stars we mentioned robert goulet for two episodes you had george went you had john ritter you had joe frazier in the uh in one of the parts of the atlantic city episode because he played a preacher oh that's right he did yeah. yeah, that's right. That was in part. That was at the end of part one. Yeah. So, so just looking at the the guest you had there, surely Robert Goulet was not cheap, and neither was Joe Frazier. Joe Frazier probably wasn't. I mean, George Winton and John Ritter probably were, but I mean, still they're two legends of comedy on two classic yep. sitcoms, and and probably yep. Michael knows them both. Yeah, and the and the and the beauty of the and the beauty of it all is much like the show itself. It didn't take they didn't take themselves seriously at all. Like, I have an example here. 
There was every show began with a content warning, obviously, except for one episode where the content warning was in the middle of the show, saying this sh- this content warning should have been at the beginning. Viewer discretion is advised. And if you're interested in seeing this, it did get released on DVD, and you're not going to believe how much it's going for. How much it's- is it going for? Well, I hope you're sitting. I, I know it's. I know what how much it's going to be. How much is it going to be? It's going to be cheap, cheap, cheap. I found an auction that closed about two months ago, and it sold for the grand price of one penny. Are you kidding me? I wish I was. A used copy was sold for one penny on eBay back in January. Yeah, I did the research. You can find this on uh, eBay generally for about five dollars or less. Didn't some place have this? Uh, a streaming place have this? Uh, I don't know if a streaming place had it, but I know you can find seven out of the eight episodes in total on YouTube. The Christmas episode is the the uh, live action bits are on YouTube, but none of the animated bits made it. Yeah, and if you and just to let you know, on Amazon, it is available brand new for DVD for eight dollars and forty cents, or you could buy the cheapest price used is two dollars and ninety cents, or you can save two eighty nine and buy it for a penny on eBay. And actually, I think I saw live auctions for this at a penny right now. So if you want to see this, you can find it for well, say it, no. Cheap, 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 cheap. cheap. Yes. Oh, a callback to a previous episode. That's fun. We like callbacks. Well, Chico, let's put this baby to rest. Okay. I guess, what can I say about TV Funhouse? It was a show that was tailor-made for its time. In 2020, you couldn't get away with airing five seconds of it. It was tailor-made for its time and its time slot, Sunday nights at 11.30. But back in 2000... Oh, Keys, Keys, get over here. It was a thing on television. Special guest star, Keys Alexander, everybody! My sister, ladies and gentlemen! Bravo. And, uh... Yeah, and quite a thing on television. It was... Self-aware and ironic and full of blood and guts and entrails and drugs and nudity and passive and passive references to nudity. Joe Camel, I'm talking to you. It was not for the kids, even though it looked like it was for the kids. No! Oh, damn well wasn't. No, it was not for the, it was not for the kids. Well, you know what is for the kids? Oh, I know, Mike. The internet's. Oh, wait, that's next week. I'm sorry. Well, the uh, internet, sort of. More specifically, our website, www.itwasathingontv.com. We have uh, all our past episodes. We're almost at 50 episodes, guys. We have, we have a vast library. I mean, especially nowadays with all the quarantine and isolation, there's got to be like 40 hours of episodes you can listen to there. And probably of those 40 hours, there's probably at least... Two or three good hours in that batch. 
and I got I have a feeling that we have a um, another good hour coming up. But um, okay, I'm looking at the notes for the next episode, and I don't get any of it. No, I don't either. I, where'd you find this, Mike? This is something else. We'll talk about it later. Let, let's just wrap up this episode. As always, yeah, please subscribe, like us, rate and review us. Uh, we, we love seeing good reviews on, uh, on Apple Podcasts and different websites. And please don't forget about sharing because... Sharing is caring. Unless you're talking about a venereal disease, absolutely. Oh, Jeez. It sort of fits in with the theme of TV Funhouse. Uh, well, especially Joe Camel. Do not Google that, by the way. Yeah. I will I will not be held responsible for that. Yeah, that, that's definitely not for the kids. And Or, yes. or, or don't Google Screwpaw. Jeez. <laughs> or Romancing Did... the Bone. Father's yeah, father's whole ending under do not do do not do this awesomely cool thing. Yeah, fi- file this under the screen grab of of Noel Edmonds talking to a goose saying, "Don't do this again. Yeah, don't do this again." <laughs> so until later this week, when we'll have that new episode. Thank you, Chico, as always, and thank you, Greg. Oh my gosh, I can't believe we survived this. I'm Mike. We'll talk to you later with another installment of It Was a Thing on TV. Night, night. Row! Screw Paul! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>